First John chapter 3 says this, See how very much our Father loves us, for He calls us His children, and that is what we are. But the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we are God's children because they don't know Him. Dear friends, we're already God's children, but He has not shown us what we will be like when Christ appears. But we do know that we will be like Him, for we will see Him as He really is. And all who have this eager expectation will keep themselves pure just as He is pure. In verse 4 it says this, Everyone who sins is breaking God's law. For all sin is contrary to the law of God. And you who know that Jesus came to take away our sins, and there is no sin in Him, anyone who continues to live in Him will not sin. But anyone who keeps on sinning and does not know Him or understand who He does not know Him or understand who He is. And then verse seven, dear children, don't let anyone deceive you about this. When people do what is right, it shows that they are righteous, even as Christ is righteous. But when people keep on sinning, it shows that they belong to the devil who has been sinning since the beginning. But the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. And verse 9 and 10 follow to say this, Those who have been born into God's family do not make a practice of sinning. Because God's life is in them. So they can't keep on sinning because they're children of God. So now we can tell those who are children of God and who are children of the devil. Anyone who does not live righteously and does not love other believers does not belong to God. Let's just pray and then move into what I believe God wants to say to us through his word tonight. Father, we come before you and I pray that you would make your word alive to us this evening. That you would encourage us, that you would strengthen us, and you would give us a better picture of what it means to be your children and Pipeline Church. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, I wanted to spell a rumor uh, from the very beginning. Um, There's a vicious rumor that goes around uh, church circles, uh, public circles, and generally in the United States of America, this is kind of the the preconceived notion that people have, and it's it's a big one. This rumor and this idea, this thought, this basis for thought is that people are genuinely good at the core. That if left alone... People would do the right thing. If, if people just didn't get messed over, if people didn't take advantage of people, if people hadn't been hurt, and if people were just left to themselves, they would be naturally good. That's a rumor. It's false. It is not true. And if you have that mindset, everything in your life is going to look a whole lot different than reality. Because the truth of it is, is that all of us are messed up. All of us are broken. I told you about my messed upness and you shared about your messed upness when we started tonight, when we talked about some of our quirky habits. So I told you that I physically went back to bed just so I could get back up out of bed and put my slippers on and start my day. That's, I'm 
I'm weird like that, right? We all have weirdness. And when you think that that's not true, you think maybe your family is just perfect, um, I guarantee you there's somebody sitting near you who could tell you how messed up you really are. We're just being really polite tonight, all right? So I want to encourage you, like, we don't want to take part in the idea that everybody is naturally good. There's a, a sin nature in all of us. And here's what that looks like. When we're little kids, we're growing up in this world. We're trying to do the very best we can, right? You know, two, three years old. Who does everything focus around when you're a kid? Yourself, right? How many of you have kids or have raised little kids? Okay, bunch of you. Okay, two-year-old in the back seat of the car. Sun gets in their eyes. They start telling you, right? As if you could move the freaking sun, right? The sun is in my eyes. The sun is in my eyes. The sun is in my eyes, right? And you're telling them, it's in my eyes too. I just, we can't do anything about it. But the sun is in my eyes. In my eyes. My eyes, right? And it's that idea. Have you ever watched two little kids play? When they haven't played together before. Some have a genuinely caring nature. Like they want to serve one another. Most kids, though, if they're, you're playing with the toy they want to play with, what do they do? They grab it and they say, mine, right? That's mine. Especially boys do this for some reason. I don't know what the deal is. Now, the big idea, though, is we are very self-focused. Everything about our nature says, get what you can. That's why we love America, right? Because America says, go, have the big things, do the big things, be the big things, be about you. And in our culture and in our society that we grow up in, it only really feeds that sinful nature that we have that says it's really about me. In fact, we do this even in churches sometimes where we continue to tell people that the gospel message is about you. It's about me. The gospel message is not about me. I get the effects of the gospel message. I get the joy of the gospel message. But God is about God. And that's it. Like, He likes us. He wants us. God is for us. But God is not about us. Does that make sense? Just not. Yes. I'm trying to get the participation up here. All right. I'll start waving a hanky and asking you to yell back at me or something at some point. But the idea here is that a lot of times we walk into places where we we hear messages and it's about, you know, how you can be the best you that you can be, right? How you can get what you need out of life. And the truth is, if we're preaching the message of the gospel, we're preaching the good name of Jesus and Him glorified and Him lifted up and we receive the effects of that blessing. I say this a lot, whether I'm in prayer or conversation or speaking and sharing a sermon. The gospel is for His glory and our good. What we tend to do is we try to glorify ourselves sometimes. I was thinking back to some of the songs we sang as kids growing up in the church. And I don't think that um, my Sunday school theology was too messed up. But I started thinking um, several years ago when I was a youth pastor about some of the songs that I sang growing up in church as a church kid. And how if I didn't have any idea what people were actually singing about, how messed up it would actually come across as. For instance, 
Um, we had some kids that were coming from local public schools uh, to our youth ministry. And we would say things um, about being in the army of God, right? Or talking about the enemy is attacking us, right? And we kept going on these things. Well, these guys were like from the hood, right? And so these guys after service, they're like, Pastor Jeff, you got problems. We know people, right? We got people who can like, enemy won't mess with you. They, they don't mess with anybody in my house. We got things covered, right? I got some cousins and you know, that's how it goes. And so as they were talking along, I realized we had been conveying a message that was kind of strange. And then I started thinking about like um, the song we would sing. We would sing, I may never march in the infantry, fly over the enemy, shoot the artillery, whatever. Um, I'm in the Lord's army. Yes, sir. And it was like these really militant like Christian songs. N not necessarily bad, just scary as all junk if you're somebody who doesn't understand what's going on because now it just went from hey i'm going to hang out with my friends at church to now they're enlisting me in some of you know the special forces of jesus i don't know it takes us all the way back to the crusades and that's a scary time right but the big picture of this is sometimes we communicate things we don't want to here was another one and this is a theology issue that's a big one that we've got to wrap our minds in a completely different way around it's the idea we would sing this song this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, right? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, right? It's a great song, love the song, but what it ends up doing, and it puts a lot of responsibility on me. When the Bible is really, really clear that the message of the gospel is you live for him and he will shine through you. And His glory will be evident in you. And He will make known the things of Him to the world around that He desires to be made known. Here's another one. Um, at the end of that song, uh, uh, or no, there was another song. It's, uh, I have a little heart to put my Jesus in. I take Him out and share Him with a friend. Because I'm so happy, so very happy. I'm going way deep on my old school. I grew up in church, man. We know there's a lot of these VBS songs that you'd be like, I have no idea what you're singing, but okay. But the theology of this is that I take God and I take Jesus and I put him in my heart. And we communicate, kids, do you have Jesus in your heart? And here's the big picture, the real picture of a theology of the gospel. The gospel says this. That I don't have Jesus in my heart. That I reside in Him. And that He is greater. And that He is bigger. And that I can fit in Him. There is no way that the presence of God fits in my heart. No. The presence of God in biblical understanding and truth covers us. We find ourselves enraptured. In him. If you need a visual picture, picture me laying in the middle of this pool, being covered by the water of this pool, and you'll begin to get the idea that I am covered in him. I'm not allowing him into me, I am covered in him. And John, in this section of scripture, is communicating a couple things. 
He starts out by kind of this, uh, I love you little children kind of talk, and I love it, right? He kind of draws you in, and then he smacks you, because grandpas don't really, like, take it easy. They don't have to be nice, because they can say it however they want, right? They generally are nice, but they're going to say the truth. And they're going to give it to you straight because they live long enough to know that by beating around the bush, you don't get anywhere. So John, being our good grandpa author in this, says, See how very much the Father loves us. He calls us His children. And that's what we are. By His own confession, God says that we are His. And then He goes on to say that people don't understand that you're children of God. They don't understand what makes you different because they don't know your Father. They don't know who you're serving. They don't know the Master. They don't know the center of your life. People just won't get it because they don't know what your core is. But if they did, they would be drawn. And then He goes on to say in that first couple of verses that we don't even know that our li- what our life will eventually hold. How many of you have ever had the experience, and you can raise your hand on this because it's not telling anything, but where you thought, like you started on a journey one way, or you thought something was going to go one way, and then there was a crazy turn of events, and whether it was days, weeks, months, or years later, you ended up in a completely different place than you ever thought or imagined you would go. Anybody ever have, have that happen? Right? You start off and you're like, this is going to be the bomb. Like, I can't believe this. This is great. And then you end up somewhere completely different. For me, it was starting a Bible study in our backyard. And five weeks later, I was like, Josh, I need help. Can I come hang at your house? Right? There's some of those things that happen. For others of us, I have a friend. He started a business and he was like, yes, this is what I'm supposed to do. And within just a year or two of having that business, he was done. Like it was over and he ended up, it, it was a broken plan. And he talks about it, that God, God saved him and rescued him from something that was taking him down a place he did not need to go. But a lot of us, we start a journey one way and we don't know where we're going to end up. And John clarifies us. He says, you don't know how it's going to end because you don't know what it's going to look like when Christ gets a hold of your life. He specifically says, you don't know what the end is going to look like because you haven't sat with the king. You haven't been with Christ himself. So trust. And then he follows it up to say that our association with him also means our imitation of him. Association with God means an imitation of God. That there's places in our lives when when you get around God, you're going to recognize the dark places in your life. When you're in the light, you start seeing the things that you don't like. For instance, ever get dressed in the dark? Anyone? And you're wearing black pants and blue socks because they look the same in the dark, right? Or you you miss that button on your shirt and now you're kind of like all wonky when you walk out of the house because it looked good where I was. I just couldn't see my reflection, I do this every once in a while. I enjoy shaving on a regular basis. Um, And uh, I I shave every once in a while, and I'll miss, like, a a spot, because I usually shave kind of early in the morning, right? And I'll miss that spot, and it's just like this goofy spot of hair all day, and it drives me insane. I've physically just gone to the grocery store, bought the cheap ones, and, like, gone after it, right? But it's that idea that, that when you're in the light, 
you see things that you wouldn't normally see. Now, I don't ask you to try this, but we have some friends who have those really super magnifying uh, mirrors. If you have those, throw them away. They're not of God. Really, they're not. Because I flipped one over the other day, and I was looking at it, I was like, my pores are like the size of the moon, right? I'm like, oh my gosh, what happened? I'm like, Cindy, we need Biore strips. I need some kind of clarifying uh, mask. I need, to, I turn into a to- total manscape session right there, right? It's just the idea of, man, this is not the way that it should be. Because when you're in the light, when you see things close up, you recognize your deficiencies. And And here's where it goes for us. This is a place where we veer off in this text. He goes from this, here's what it looks like to be loved by God. And then he goes, everyone who sins is breaking God's law. For all sin is contrary to the law of God. Boom. Like, that's like just the drop the mic, walk away thing. He's saying there's no acceptable sin. Like when you see it, when you know it, when you experience it, that first time that you're cruising through the day and you're like, I know I shouldn't do this, but, right? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but a lot of us, I know I shouldn't do this, but, oh my goodness, right? That's how a lot of conversations start. I shouldn't say this, but you should really hear this, right? I know I shouldn't talk like this. I know I shouldn't think like this, but... This is where the scripture says, everyone who sins is breaking God's law, for all sin is contrary to the law of God. There is no acceptable sin. Ouch. And then he goes on to say, and you know that Jesus came to take away our sins, and there is no sin in him. Anyone who continues to live in him will not sin. But anyone who keeps on sinning does not know him or understand who he is. So hold on, Jeff. You're telling us we're never going to sin if we're Christians. Like, we're never going to do anything. Um, I wish I could tell you that's the truth. But we're human. Now, the other side of that is the character of Christ is devoid of sin. There is no sin in Christ himself. And our goal and our call and our mission is to be like Christ. And so what he does is he follows this up. He says, if you are in him, you cannot, you will not continue in sin. And here's where I want to really delineate what that means or or draw that out for you a little bit. There's a difference between walking across your kitchen floor and slipping on a puddle or just hosing down the kitchen floor and creating a slip and slide for the family, right? big difference. One is super intentional, one is super reckless, and super crazy. The other one is an accidental thing or something that was not intended, and when you tend to slip, you don't make that happen again, right? I've never seen somebody go, whoa, I almost fell down. Let me try that again. Whoa, yeah, no, we don't do that, right? What we do is we go, oh, I'm going to divert my path. I'm going to change. I'm not going to do that again. I almost hurt myself, right? I almost damaged myself. I don't want to mess myself up. And what, what John is saying here is there are times when you're going to slip and fall and you're going to catch yourself and you're going to, whoa, I, I didn't see that coming. And stuff comes out, right? Stuff comes out and there's things that happen in our lives and we kind of realize, whoa, i got to brace and make sure I either avoid that scenario next time or 
I've got to know how to handle this when it comes up, or I've got to clean up the mess. And, and the difference is where he says continuing in sin, it's actually just laying the groundwork. And people do this all the time, especially church people. We make our sins acceptable. Where we'll do this and we say, you know what, I'm just kind of a, I'm just kind of built like that. So that's what I'm going to do. Working with students a lot, one of the things that I struggle with is when people make it okay for their kids to mess up. When they say things like, well, we were all young once and we did some crazy things, you know, wow. But we made it. Uh, you're just throwing water on the kitchen floor and asking them to jump on the slip and slide. It doesn't, that's not what it's supposed to look like. The conversation should more look like God wants to spare you from the pain that comes along with poor choices. Now, I know that you may find yourself in a bad place occasionally, but we don't want you to live there. And that's a very different conversation. I've sat in rooms where where adults are talking to their kids, their teenagers going, you know, we were pretty crazy when we were your age. And so as long as you just like let us know what's going on and keep it real between us and just do that here, we'll be okay. And I'm going, no, Grandpa John would be so mad at you. Like, this is not the point. Don't make it an easy escape and don't make it an acceptable thing. Let's live in righteousness. Let's live in the path that leads to life. And so that's what we do with our students. We're, we're, Fernando and his team that he's gathering, they're wanting to walk and do life with students to encourage them so they don't have to find this big slip and slide of life that they just got to ride until something terrible happens. They want them to be able to navigate and help talk through what's really going on and how do we do this and how do we accomplish this. And the same thing with us. There's, there's a lot of guys that, that I know that own businesses and have found little loopholes, shall we say, with things that they do that they wouldn't tell anybody about really, but they figured out how to manage that. My encouragement is, no, live in the light That's the word of God. It says, anyone who sins is breaking God's law is contrary to the law of God. He says, don't do it. And if you keep doing it, just know you're not saved. So if there's ever a test or a question, he says this in verse 7, Dear children, don't let anyone deceive you about this. When people do what's right, it shows that they're righteous, even as Christ is righteous. But when people keep on sinning, it shows they belong to the devil who's been sinning since the beginning. But the Son of God came to destroy the works of the evil one. He has set you free. There's a passage of scripture that I love to keep in front of me. It says, whom the Son has set free, he is free indeed. I've had some conversations with some of those parents who are talking to their students and going, yeah, I was pretty naughty when I was your age. And I say, I know that you've got some guilt from your past. And I know you've got some things that you still hold on to even now. But if the sun has set you free, be free. And don't put that burden on your kids. We don't have to go there. We don't have to do that. 
And that's just one illustration of how that happens. But I want to encourage us as a body of believers to truly be saved. I'm going to read verse 9 and 10 and, and, and then give you my final thoughts. It says, those who have been born into God's family do not make a practice of sinning because God's life is in them. So they can't keep on sinning because they're children of God. They don't do the same things over and over again because they know that that's not on the market. That that's not something that they do. That's not who they are anymore. So now we can tell the children of God and who are children of the devil because anyone who does not live righteously, that's love God, and does not love other believers, that's love others, does not belong to God. So one of the things we've been talking about in the process of our building project and all that is what are some of the things that we want to put on the walls that, that just signify this is who we are. So one of the things we're trying to get painted and put together is a big sign that just says, love God, love others, as you walk out of the building. Because that's the whole Bible summed up in just a couple words. And here he's saying, those who do not live righteously, loving God, those who do not love one another, loving others, they're not on the, on the deal. They're not in the same life as you. Be very clear that you know who you're talking to and what you're doing here. And so I wanted to really practically help you understand what it means to love God and love others as part of Pipeline Church. And so if you were to go to PipelineChurch.org and look under like who we are under our vision statement, I want to I read to you what's actually just on there. It's really simple, really direct. Okay, It says this, we care about people because God cares about people. Let's just start there. One of the things that, that Pipeline Church is about is caring about people. I will never put a set of, of lights or a projector above a conversation with somebody who is in need. We want to do church in a way that says people matter. People are the first importance when we live in community. The next thing in our vision statement says this. Our vision is to, and, and I've got a few E's if you're writing things down. This would be great to write down. The first one is engage. The second one is encourage. The third one is equip. And the fourth one is expand. Our vision is to engage our community. It's to do life together. That's why we do four minutes of awkward in the very beginning, right? That four minutes of the awkward moment of meeting somebody and saying, Hi, my name is, and I am, you know, whatever. If I was a candle, I would be, and I would smell like, whatever. The idea is that we're going to engage with one another. Secondly, we're going to encourage. As a church, you should leave every week feeling encouraged and pressed to do something more or to be something more or to do the things that God has put on your heart. You should never leave church and leave this community time feeling beat down. So we're going to engage with one another. We're going to encourage one another. We're going to equip. I want to have practical ways that I can do the things that God is leading us to. If we can give you some tools, right? So we talk about things like giving, and then we'll give you ways that you can give. 
We talk to you about serving, and then we give you ways that you can serve. We talk about uh, understanding the Word of God. So right on our website, we have a place where you can go through and do a daily Bible reading. There's things like that. We want to equip you with as much as you can take in. And everyone's at different levels. So engage, encourage, equip, and expand our community. Here's one thing that I found. is generally, when you hear something cool or you experience something cool, you want to tell somebody about it. For instance, if you ever talk to me for very long about Costco, you are going to want to go to Costco with me. I feel like I am like in this place of wonder when I walk into Costco. I don't know if any of you feel like that, right? But I am like, I have never wanted to buy a hundred pack of highlighters more in my life than when I'm in Costco, right? Everything looks better in Costco. And I'm cruising through, I'm like, honey, do we need a 50-pack of air filters? Because they have those. I don't even know what size our air filters need to be, but they have those and must have them now, right? And it's this, like, this wonderful, magical place, right? And, and you go in there and you find this thing. And then, then the other part that happens is they bring out these products that, that apparently nobody has but Costco, right? And, and you're like, but have you, what was it that we were really fixated on for a while when I was Body by Bakery? Um, it was uh, car- salted caramels, chocolate-covered salted caramel squares. <sighs> just everybody just take that in. That's as good as like just saying hallelujah, right? Chocolate-covered salted caramel squares. And I can't tell you how many people I told about those. I, I remember being at sporting events where I'm coaching my daughter's game and I'm talking through the fence as I'm supposed to be coaching third base. Yeah, but have you had the chocolate caramel squares? There's the best ever and the salt. Mm, just so good. It makes me just tingle thinking about it. And then you have a nice Cabernet with it and it's delightful, right? But all that put together, right? You just kind of put all those things in motion and you want to tell somebody about it. Now, here's what the message of the gospel looks like. I hear something good, it's changing my life, and I can't shut up about it. So is it so that we can have a really lot of people at church? No. It's because a growing body grows. A healthy body grows. I don't know if you guys have ever met the Nelson boys, but they're huge individuals, right? They're healthy studs, right? I, I go to the same chiropractor as, as Dane, and he was like, that is a very solid young man, right? And, and the big thing about this is healthy things grow. So if you find yourself and it's just like, yeah, the 10 of us have been hanging out for 48 years, that might not be the healthiest thing. And so our church, the vision of our church is to engage, encourage, equip, and expand our community so that we can experience this life each and every day through the love and encouragement of Christ. Now here's uh, where it takes off, and I'm going to finish with this uh, last couple lines. It says, we believe that we can't do life alone. That's the number one. If you're a loner, that's okay, but you can't make it through life alone. Just watch commercials long enough and you'll see the old lady on the life alert commercial. I've fallen and I can't get up. I need help, right? At some point you will fall and you can't get up and you need help. You can't do life alone. 
That doesn't mean go get a spouse. That doesn't mean go get a boyfriend or girlfriend. That means have a community of people that you can do life with. So they can celebrate with you, they can grieve with you, and they can walk through tough times with you. Every I, I got so many people popping into my head right now that have been through stuff that a community of believers walked through with them. We need each other. We believe that we can't do life alone, that growing people change. It'd be weird if my seven-year-old Rowan just got bigger but looked exactly the same. No, she's going to change. Everything changes. Growing things change. That you and I, when we get connected to Christ, we start to change our habits and our way of life. That saved people serve people. Glory, God changed my life. I'm, I'm saved by His grace, but I'm not serving. One of the most frustrating things with me is when I hear people celebrating the fact that they don't serve other people. Oh, I don't do that. No, 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 no. No, that's just no. Out of my bounds. And there's a lot of arenas we do that in, right? Well, we go to church there, but we don't, we don't really connect. We don't serve there necessarily. It's kind of, yeah, I'm going to give it some time to grow on me. I believe that saved people serve. If, you, if something's happened to you, you go and make sure that something happens to somebody else. Because you know how it feels. And that save people, serve people, and that found people, find people. I love hanging out with Fernando. Partly because Fernando notices things that I don't. He sees things in people that I don't. And he'll even ask, like there's been a few people, he's trying to actually learn names, so whenever you see Fernando, just give him your name, because he's trying to plug it all in, right? And, uh, and, and talking to Fernando, though, he'll say something like, I met this gal, you know, she does this and this and this, and he notices things about you that I don't notice at all. And then after a few minutes, then I'm like, oh, yeah, I know who you're talking about now. But I love seeing different things from different perspectives. One of the things is when you're found in Christ, you get active about helping find others and serving others. And that's what we do. So we believe we can't do life alone, that growing people change, that save people serve people, and that found people find people. And as we invest resources into reaching people in Visalia, whether that's time, talent, or treasure, the surrounding area and beyond, we pray that Pipeline Church will make a real difference at a global and local level. We have a passion to continue growing and impacting lives and to reach people with the gospel message of Jesus Christ, period. We are a church that wants to lead people into relationship with Christ and help them become fully committed followers of Him. That's what we do. And that's a little bit longer version of how we do it. But we want to engage, we want to encourage, we want to equip, and we want to expand. And we want to see God's name made great in this community. And so when we read Grandpa John, and he says, this is how you will know what a believer looks like and somebody who's not saved looks like. It's very clear. People who relish in their sin and continue in their sin are not saved and not being redeemed. Those who find themselves being regenerated and being renewed and finding the things that they used to do a little bit repulsive, a little bit, I got to get out of this. Finding their way out of those situations. 
Those are the people who are being saved. Those are the people. And when we find Christ, we start engaging, we start equipping, we start enlarging our circles and leading others toward Him. I want to pray with you tonight as we get ready to go and just ask you to have just a moment to reflect before we get food on plates and get kids gathered around. But just um, maybe just find your own space in your head, just closing your eyes, whatever you want to do that way. But just reflect on some of the things that may have caught your attention tonight. I know probably a lot of us have those different things. And just kind of in your own head space, I know I want to just block everything else out. and Just deal with the things that really caught my attention tonight. I'd ask you, just in a few moments of quiet, I'm going to stop talking. If you felt there were a couple things just on your heart as I was sharing tonight or as you were reading that scripture, would you just thank God? For his goodness of revealing to you what he wanted to say to you tonight. The beginning of this section reminds us that we are his children. Dearly loved by Him. And that He calls us His. We we belong to Him. And that people don't recognize what that means because they don't know Him. And that the uncertainties of our heart, the uncertainties of our future, those rest in the fact that we just don't know what it looks like to be with Him. We've never seen Him face to face. I think the call of this night comes in a couple key areas. One, it's trusting God to be who He says He is. And if you have never trusted Christ with your salvation, if you've never made that commitment to follow Christ, I want to give you a chance to do that. To say, God, I want you to be my God, and I want you to start changing me. I don't want to get caught. I don't want to be the guy that walks in the same stuff over and over. I want you to be my God. I'm going to do my very best. I'm still going to screw up and slip in the ice every once in a while. But, but God, I want you to be my God, and I want to see you change me. If that's you tonight, I just want you to raise your hand, look at me, so I can pray with you tonight. It's awesome. Thank you. Thank you for responding to God tonight. Are there others that would like to respond right now and just say, God, I give you control. I give you this place. It's, it's in your hands. I guess the second part of that would be then too if you recognize that you've just continually slipped and slid in the same stuff over and over again and you call on the name of Jesus Christ but you haven't allowed him to redeem you and rescue you from some of the stuff that you just continually find yourself in I'd like to pray with you too and if that's you just let me know so that we can pray together And I can pray with you this week and encourage you this week. Now would be a good time to just respond and say, Jeff, that's me tonight. Just giving you a second, not trying to drum anything up. So grateful. God's changing hearts tonight. 
God's moving in lives tonight. So we're going to pray this prayer. And if you didn't respond openly, but you did in your heart, then you pray too. But whether you've been a Christian for 50 years or not at all, would you just pray this with me tonight? Dear God, I come before you. I thank you for your mercy. Thank you for trusting me with your good message. And I respond to you tonight. You are my God. And I will ever praise you. I will praise you with everything that's in me. And I want to tell people about the goodness of your mercy. Father, start changing my heart. Changing my soul. Would you begin the process of redeeming and renewing me, even now? I'm messed up, and I need your salvation. And as a body of believers, would we conclude our prayer time tonight just asking the Holy Spirit to seal within us some of the things that we heard from Him tonight. Just in your own way, taking your own prayer to God, saying, God, I am yours, and I trust you with all that I am. Just pray on your own. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.